Do you feel stuck in your life, career, or business? And are you ready to take things to the next level? If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is David Trotter, and I'm a transformation coach passionate about helping people just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals. My superpower is helping people experience tremendous breakthroughs in a short period of time. If you give me 12 weeks, I'll help you launch that new project, go after that better job, or overcome that challenge in your business. To find out how I can help you, head on over to insporising.com slash coach. That's insporising.com slash coach. No one's normal. There's so many differences. And the truth is, if we had everybody who was quote unquote normal, we'd never have innovation. We'd never have change. We'd never have anything in this world if people thought the same way. Welcome to Inspiration Rising. My name is David Trotter, and I'm a business growth consultant. I'm passionate about helping business owners just like you rise above your biggest barriers to reach your greatest goals, all without the paralyzing overwhelm, feeling all alone, or wondering what the heck to do next. I'm a former pastor and a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about personal growth because that's what's helped me cultivate peace in my life and empowered me to love my amazing wife, Laura, of 26 years and our two almost grown kids. So if you're all about business, personal growth, and peace in your life, you're in the right place. I'm super glad that you're here. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Inspiration Rising. It is so great to have you with me today. Hey, right outside my office, you know what I hear? I hear a little tweet, tweet, chirp, chirp, tweet, tweet. Yeah, it's a bunch of birds. And we have a lot of birds that live in our neighborhood. By the way, this has nothing to do with our episode. I just want to share it with you. And I have always wanted a bird feeder. I know that sounds ridiculous. Like, that's a pretty low bar of always wanting something. But I'm just going to tell you. It's one of those things where you go, do you have to have a bird feeder? Do I actually need to have a bird feeder? No, I don't. But you know, like there's like 40 bucks on Amazon and big giant bag of bird food for 10 bucks. All of a sudden, I have got something that makes me happy. Yes, I do. So what is that thing that you've been wanting? What is that thing that you've got? You know, I've always kind of wanted blank. Maybe it's I've always wanted matching potholders and kitchen towels. I just thought of that. I don't know why. Maybe you've always wanted a certain kind of pair of shoes. Maybe you've always wanted a bird feeder. I don't know. I'm just realizing life is too short to have these I've always wanted and never gotten it, especially if you know it's going to make your life kind of playful, fun, happy, adventurous, exciting. Yes. So I got a bird feeder. Yeah, I'm excited about my bird feeder. And uh, I've actually been featuring some funny videos on my personal Instagram stories about my bird feeder. You can always follow me there if you'd like, instagram.com slash Trotter. The J stands for John. Yes, John is my first name, John David Trotter. Little known fact, my grandmother called me John David. Actually, the entire side of that family called me John David all the way growing up. And I just had a mini family reunion and one person said John David one time. And I was like, okay, I'm going to let you pass on that. All right. So Fun fact for you of the day, Dave Trotter has a bird feeder. 
Hey, um, today we've got an incredible conversation with Alex Gilbert. She's the founder of Capable Consulting. And what I loved about Alex is that she is passionate about helping adults with learning disabilities navigate their day-to-day workload and ultimately reach their highest potential. Now, when I first saw a pitch from Alex to be on the show, I was like, oh yeah, uh-huh, somebody's got something unique to talk about. I am excited about this conversation because she's not only talking about like how to make it through life because you have a learning disability, but know how to use your learning disability and all the ways that your life, maybe you manage your life as a superpower. Yeah, so thus the name Cape-a-Bull Consulting. So I think you're going to really like Alex. And I, I definitely uh, enjoyed having a conversation with her. And it gave me more compassion for those around me. It gave me more compassion for myself. And it helped me kind of see the world through a different lens. And that's my hope through um, Inspiration Rising, our podcast, is that we're giving you, uh, I guess I would say, exposure to ideas and people and concepts that would make your life a better place and ultimately the world a better place. Yeah, exactly. And if you enjoy this conversation, and if you enjoy the Inspiration Rising podcast, will you take a minute and just share it with a friend? Just tell somebody, hey, listen to Inspiration Rising. Subscribe. Um, Well, I guess Apple Podcast now calls it following. They've gotten rid of the word subscribe. What the heck? Uh, Tell them about Inspiration Rising, because I would be honored to have your friends listening right alongside with us. All right. Hey, let's jump into this conversation with Alex Gilbert. Alex, thank you so much for taking some time to hang with me today. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, we are talking about a subject that I will tell you makes me a little nervous because I don't want to say the wrong thing. So I'm just going to tell you, I'll probably say the wrong thing. So (laughs) so I want you to feel free to kind of, you know, graciously correct me if I say something that's awkward or weird because I'll probably ask a weird question um, because that's that's my style. Um, so you first, have to learn some way. So asking questions is, is exactly the way to go. Yeah. 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 And for me, it's all rooted in seeking to understand or building relationships, exactly. or, you know, that kind of deal. So, um, when did you realize that you were perhaps experiencing the world in a bit different way than other people around you? I would say I was probably about six or seven. Um, when I was, Everyone really loves to read books as a kid and they want to read the same book over and over and over again. But for me, I was memorizing full books cover to cover. I mean, you could probably not even have the book anywhere near me and I could tell you exactly what was on every page. And I thought that was reading until I realized we started doing chapter books and I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I would say my parents on the other end said they would pick up on different pieces of me as a toddler because of my emotional intelligence that was far and beyond that of other toddlers. My mom dropped me off at preschool and said everyone was crying except for me. And I was walking around the classroom, giving everyone hugs, asking them if they wanted to play. And my mom was on the other side of the door crying. And they sent me out to comfort her. And I said, don't worry, mommy, I'll be back soon. Like, it's going to be okay. So 
all of those things are actually wrapped up in a lot of learning disabilities and ADHD and dyslexia with having a higher emotional intelligence and having a very strong long-term memory. So it kind of was bits and pieces, but nothing really came together officially until I was about eight. Okay. So when you say officially at eight, was it something that either your parents started to recognize or was it a teacher that kind of did a, you know, my wife's a kindergarten teacher. Mm -hmm. So at kindergarten, she's constantly doing assessments because she's able to recognize kids that, you know, are having a bit of a challenge of some sort. And so it really begins with her. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of the parents, frankly, are oblivious to their kid because maybe it's their, especially if it's their first kid or their Mm -hmm. only kid. Mm-hmm. And um, sometimes they don't want to admit that there might be a little bit of a challenge because mm-hmm. that could mean, you know, all sorts of weird feelings and thoughts as a parent. Of course, of course. So eight, so eight years old, was it your parent or a teacher or how did that kind of shake down? I wish it was my teacher, to be honest. It, it And I wish it was my school district, but it really wasn't. And that's where I'll say that I come from tremendous privilege in the sense that I had two parents who were very involved and who not only could provide for me emotionally, but financially. And I had straight up said to my mom, she was packing me for camp and said, do you want to bring any books? And I said, why? I can't read. And so she had reached out to the school district and they kind of said, you know, there's nothing wrong with you. In fact, they actually said, there's nothing wrong with your daughter. You're just a pushy Jewish mother. And it was... Really, really offensive, but it's, it's really a problem across the board. It's how many kids go undiagnosed, especially kids, people of color are less diagnosed. Girls are usually less diagnosed. So my parents had um, not only paid for outside testing, once I had it, we had to move to a completely different school district that could actually provide any kind of services. Wow. So, yeah, I, I, I think my teachers later on had recognized that, but when my parents had talked to my teachers about it, they said they had no idea. Yeah. And what were some of the services or resources you were provided along the way that, that really helped you? Oh, so many. Um, I would say in my, once we moved, I had something called resource room, which is basically a very small classroom of three to five students with one teacher specialized in special education kind of like a, a tutor that would go over a lot of my schoolwork with me and help me figure out how to read and do all of that. I also had extra time on tests, separate testing locations. I didn't have to fill out any scantrons. Um, you know, it, it was really exceptional. But the teach the first resource room teacher I had in fourth grade when we moved was unbelievable. And still, I, I think about this teacher all of the time. I had actually called her when I started my business to let her know how much wow. she influenced my life because she was really advocating for me to learn about myself and to really learn in a way that made sense to me. No longer was I going to memorize everything. And in fact, when I did, she said, I'm really glad you memorized the definition what does that mean? And I would say, I have no idea. She's like, Uh well, then you didn't learn it. So explain it in your own words. And that's really how I do everything now these days. Every time I talk about something, I'll stop and say, does that make sense to you? Did you understand? And that's invaluable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, during that that uh, process, like you know, eight nine years old, fourth grade, you're going to the resource room. Did you feel like, wow, I'm different, like in a negative way, or did it just feel like, no, I'm just getting some extra support? How did that play out for you? I'm sure it's different for everybody, but how did that play yeah. out for you? Um, it's definitely different for everybody. But I will say the part that's probably not different is that there's a lot of trauma related to that um, because there was a lot of teachers I had, especially my fourth grade teacher, who was the instigator of my anxiety. Um, he was he didn't understand why I couldn't understand. He would tower over me and yell at me all the time if I wasn't paying attention in class or not raising my hand, making jokes in front of everyone. So now every time I'm getting pulled out, it's being pointed out. And in fourth grade was when we had moved into this new school district. So I'm new, have a new teacher, have a new diagnosis. I don't know myself well enough. And that's actually so common with so many of the clients that I have of having this trauma. And about 80% of people who have a learning disability or ADHD struggle with anxiety, depression, OCD, any type of mood disorder. And it's probably not started overnight. So I've come a long way from that. And I've realized how much I've grown from that space. And I no longer really see it as a negative. I see it as a superpower. I'm so good at so many things that weren't fostered at that young age in a very structural school setting, especially with that teacher that I didn't know I had. And so now I don't really necessarily think of it as a negative. I think of, I can problem solve better than most people. I can see big picture and little details all at the same time. And those aren't negatives. Those are exceptional. You know, I know school, I I laugh with my wife so often because school has changed so much Mm. over the years. Absolutely. My wife, I think she's, I think I should probably get this right. She's 49. Can mm-hmm. I say that? I don't know if I can say that. I've never said that on 200 plus podcasts, how old my wife is. I don't think she's, she's not that aggro about that. I'm 48. And we, I was telling her the other day because she deals with all of these things so much and trying mm-hmm. to get services for kids. And oftentimes mm-hmm. if a child comes to her attention in kindergarten, it can take even a year to get services because of all Longer. the paperwork and documentation. And, and she's in a very privileged school district uh, neighborhood. So mm-hmm. uh, anyway, I was laughing with her because I remember, I think it was in second or third grade, I was invited to go to this class called GT. Mm-hmm. And all the other kids were like, oh, it's so fun. You get pulled out of class. You get to go to it. And it was for the kids that were gifted and talented GT kids. And we would literally like wave goodbye to all the other kids so that we could go play Oregon trail on an Apple TV computer and do all these fun things. And I thought, what kind of messages? I mean, yeah, I recognize you got to pull kids out, but like, these are the kids that are gifted and talented. You're not, you know, it's just. Oh my God. Yeah. I, I feel like these generations now are are even more hypersensitive and hyper aware of stuff like that. And I think my school also had like an accelerated program and this, and all of those kids graduated top 20 of my class and are 
very, very bright. Most of them who are still like my closest friends now. But yeah, to, to have that messaging, you're not good enough all the time is really awful. And so it's hard. really settling into you're not good enough leads to you're not good enough at your job later on because those deep-seated memories are there. And it's great for the kids who are pulled out and get to do the fun things. But what did you learn from being pulled out that the kids didn't learn in the classroom? What could have accelerated them or who wasn't noticing them who could have been, you know, it's so hard. Every, it, again, it, it, this generation is so much more hyper aware and hypersensitive of that. And you can't personalize every single child, and every single curriculum. There is varying degrees, but it's also what the expectations are that are set up that have this fear of failure. And that's something that a lot of people with learning disabilities and ADHD have is that constant fear of failure. Mm. And it's because someone has set these expectations that are not their own. And if they succeed, it's against all odds. And if not, you know, so I, I often try and focus on what does success look like for me? What does success look like for my clients? And how can we achieve that and make it tangible and real? Mm -hmm. So that's how I kind of make those shifts so that you don't have that all the time. Oh, tell me about at what point did you start to become passionate about this that are helping, I guess, passionate about helping other people who quote unquote have disabilities or ADHD or whatever um, as an adult, like you were, did you come out of high school or college having a passion for that or did it kind of morph over time? Um, I pretty much always had a passion for helping people, but I would say more specifically, I've been thinking about this exact business to some degree since I was 16 and thinking about college and preparing for the PSATs. I had had a tutor who was working with me for about a year and she had said to me, you know, Alex, I'm, I'm looking at your scores and I really think that you should start to think about community college or a small liberal arts college. And I'm sitting there thinking, you've been working with me for a year you don't know me at all. I have big dreams and big expectations for myself. And I know that so many people that I have worked with that I know who have learning disabilities or ADHD have excelled in small liberal arts colleges or starting out in a community college and, and transferring. But that wasn't me. And I was really upset with the fact that I was seen as a statistic rather than a person who had goals and could achieve them. And so I had always wanted to figure out a way to help people really look at someone who had a learning disability or ADHD and see them as someone exceptional, see them as someone who has something to add. And the name has changed over the years, but the concept is really the same. And I, I just, I hope that people feel that they if they do have a learning disability or ADHD and were put into a box and told that this is the only way to succeed, that they, they can break out of it, that they can do mm -hmm. something different mm -hmm. if they wanted to. So you on your website and through just our conversation, you mm -hmm. use this term disability very frequently. And yet it seems like that 
a high level of sensitivity in our culture to mm-hmm. all those words and nuances and all of that stuff. And yeah. I get really nervous about all that. And I get a little bit like, oh boy, I don't want to say the wrong thing, but at the same time, are you know, how sensitive are we becoming? I don't know. Like, talk to me about this term disability and how it's used in our culture or isn't used. Like, help help me understand your perspective on this. Yeah, I mean, I understand you're you're hyper aware to feel uncomfortable with maybe using the term or using it in the wrong way. I think I feel that way sometimes too because I have one point of view on the word disability. Some people prefer to use differently abled. For me, I think of it as fit and ability. Yes, if you put it together, disability, you're seeing it as one thing, but I focus on the ability and what can we bring to the table that's different instead of thinking it as the negative connotation of this. Mm. Um, It's also really why I came up with the name of my company, Capable Consulting, was because so many people who have a learning disability or ADHD are often told they're incapable of something. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the opposite. I think there's so much that they're capable of. So it's really, it's so personal. And I think every person might actually have a very different view. But for me, I, I, it even really goes back to when I was eight and thinking of that negative connotation of being pulled out of school. But now I'm thinking it's a superpower. And I have no shame in sharing that gift with other people. So that's my personal view. I know others feel differently and that's okay too. Sure, sure. It's, just, it, it's really just being aware that it, other people can have different opinions and even having these conversations and asking those kinds of questions of, is it okay to use those words? Mm-hmm. In my yeah. opinion, it is. Yeah. And so even I think about the, the term, I guess, neurotypical. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess they don't, it's not really used neuroatypical. It's just neurotypical and then not mm-hmm. neurotypical, I guess, is what you would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in some ways, you're going neurotypical. That's like you're basically saying, well, this is the typical or the what's most prominent, what's most normal, and then mm-hmm. something that's not normal. In you know, in some way, you're communicating that something's different. You, you, it's something's different no matter what you say. No one's normal. No one's normal. There's so, so many why, differences. There's so many differences. And the truth is, if we had everybody who was quote unquote normal, we'd never have innovation. We'd never have change. We'd never have anything in this world if people thought the same way. So again, I really feel like it's very personal about how people like to describe themselves, describe the community um, and where they see fit. And I personally don't feel either is wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have had some friends that have had, I guess you would call it an adult diagnosis of mm-hmm. a learning disability or ADHD or ADHD. Yeah, um, very, very, very common. Actually, more common for adults to be diagnosed with ADHD than it is for kids. Okay, really? T- break yeah. that down for me. Tell me how that impacts somebody because, I mean, the friends that I saw they were deeply impacted by this diagnosis. Like, yeah, yeah. There's so many ranges of that because you can have someone who's like myself, who was diagnosed at a young age and had all of those 
had all of those support, but you also have the people who have grown up this whole time, gone to work and thought, I'm thinking differently, right? Am I different? Does everyone else notice? So yeah, the reason that people are actually not diagnosed at a younger age, I'll say for women, especially, it presents differently in boys and in girls. So most boys are hyperactive. They're the ones who are disrupting in class, whereas most girls who have ADHD are inattentive, talkative, and not seen as troublemakers. It's also not a sign of intelligence. You can be very smart and still have a diagnosis of ADHD. So a lot of people, again, go through life and say, oh, I didn't realize that this was something that was ADHD, or maybe their child was being diagnosed with it and saying, it's genetic. Does that mean all this time I've been thinking about it? And again, I go back to that trauma piece because there is trauma because they might've been yelled at in school for not paying attention or not doing something. And a lot of the people that actually come to me are people who are just diagnosed or not sure if they should be diagnosed. It's, it's all really hard and everybody has a different story. Um, so as you're finding some adults that are coming to you that have just been diagnosed, mm-hmm. once again, there's a spectrum of how people respond. Absolutely. But I know the the couple people that I have had in my own life, they had the feeling of, oh, wow, that's why I feel this way. Yeah. But also a bit of like, almost they were coming out with it, almost like a coming out moment where they felt like, uh-huh. I kind of need to tell people and it felt very vulnerable for them to tell people but it also felt very liberating Mm -hmm. is that is that neuro is that atypical (laughs) or is that typical (laughs) honestly it's again it's there's such a very variation of that there are some people who are like yes i finally like have all of the answers and then there's some it's like the different stages of grieving Uh you know you have some people who are like i'm so glad now what do I do? And then there's some people who are like so angry. How do they not know? Um, but there's a lot of people going back to even using the word of a disability feel immense shame to now say to right. their boss or to anybody else that they have it. So yes, I do have a lot of people who are like, oh my God, this is so much clarity. It, it really, it really varies. But I would say the most important part about getting the diagnosis is taking the time to learn about yourself because you have to relearn everything in a way. You have to figure out how you think, how you learn, how you interpret things, and how you can make adjustments now that you have this information to help you succeed in a way that fits you. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you started this uh, business, a consulting practice called mm-hmm. Capable Consulting. Mm-hmm. What do you do and how do you help individuals and organizations? Yeah, so my business really is kind of in two parts. One is the one-on-one coaching that I do with adults with learning disabilities or ADHD. And that kind of came out of the fact that having resources all the way through college, nothing existed. In the, in the workspace. I was really struggling in my own personal journey when I graduated college and started working, would put on headphones and my boss would yell at me and say, you're listening to music? 
like, this isn't okay. People are trying to talk to you. I'm like, do you want me to do my work? I mean, it kind of came out of that. It was, I always spoke openly about my, my learning disabilities and ADHD. And I don't recommend that for someone who doesn't feel comfortable doing that. But my one-on-one coaching is really helping people get to know themselves. And my philosophy is something I call best principles versus best practices, because best practices sets you up that everyone can do something the exact same way, do the exact same thing and end up with the same results, which pretty much worked for no one who has a learning disability or ADHD. Because I could tell you how many times I studied for tests and it didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Um, and then best principles is really about having the goal that we're setting together and figuring out what works for you and getting to the same result. And that's really what my coaching is about is getting to know you and, and building through that the best principles versus best practices. For my corporate clients and my nonprofit clients that I work with, it's really about starting where they are and how we can make a environment much more friendly, safe environment for those who have learning disabilities or ADHD, but also making it a better space for everyone. I, I, I often talk about how having a ramp to your front door is not just accessible for people bound to a chair or using a walker, not just for parents with a stroller, but now everyone could walk through the door. And if you've set up your office setting, obviously pre post COVID, who knows what offices will look like. But the idea is if you've set this up that we're going to give everyone noise canceling headphones, if you're in an open office space or maybe making a quiet space, if there's a lot of meetings that maybe has dimmer, less harsh lighting, it's something so simple that you can do, but everyone benefits. Okay, so you'll actually have an organization, nonprofit, for-profit, mm-hmm. come to you and say, my guess is they probably have someone on their staff that has some sort of learning disability. How do we work with not only this individual, but other individuals that we will have hired or may even be working there that are don't have a diagnosis? They don't have a diagnosis or they're not coming up front and they're just trying to make everything more accommodating. It's usually... Also, the people who are coming to me, the companies or organizations, are ones who have said, we're trying to get our our employees to be more productive. How can we speed up productivity? And that's usually where that door opens of, yeah. okay, this, is, it, this isn't just an issue for someone with learning disabilities. This is everyone who can struggle and, and how can they benefit? So... It helps the people who don't feel comfortable sharing that they have it to now be in an office environment that doesn't ask, but also doesn't put pressure on you to expose it. And everyone's using headphones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, so you talk about a uh, superpower and the way that you spell your consulting business is cape dash able. Like, is that on purpose? Like somebody's wearing a cape or is this just me reading into the name? No, you are a hundred percent reading into it perfectly. One, um, the name came from the fact that I spell everything wrong because I'm dyslexic and it's how I phonetically see the word Two, I really like to, again, talk about people who 
feel incapable and show them that they are capable. And three, it is the superpower of wearing your cape and wearing your status proudly and say, These, I can do this. I can do a lot of things. So yes, you, I'm so glad you picked up on the name so perfectly. There's so much thought into that. <laughs> you know, um, the more we talk about this, I do really like, I would say before we talked about this, I'm not sure I was a fan of the term differently abled. I was kind of like, mm -hmm. eh, okay, are we just trying to be super hypersensitive here? But when you talk about how that you have superpowers because um, it's almost like, well, this could be where I go off and say something wrong here, but it's almost like, um, let's just say someone who is blind, they become much more sensitive to touch or smell or sounds like just everything becomes heightened. And I'm picking up on you're going, yeah, I actually have a very much more heightened emotional intelligence. I have a heightened ability to uh, memorize things. Um, and, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm picking on. I, so, so when I see her differently abled, I'm like, man, you've got superpowers. I don't have because you had to rely on or build those superpowers in order to kind of work your way around the system. Am I off yeah. there? I mean, the, th the thing is, I, I don't work specifically with people with physical disabilities, so I can't necessarily touch on the, on someone who's blind and heightened to um, touch or smell. But what I can say is, yeah, there's different skills that you have to build. There, there's a reason that so many entrepreneurs have dyslexia and mm -hmm. have ADHD. I mean, the list goes on and on because imagine having to reinvent a way to learn for yourself over and over and over mm -hmm. again. You just become you become a marathon runner, but you're running in a, on a different path and that's okay. You still end up at the finish line, but you figured out a way to do it. So yes, I think part of it is how structurally I think is different, but I also think it's environmentally how I've had to maneuver so many scenarios, not just in school, but in the workplace that other people are not necessarily facing or challenged by. Mm-hmm. How how does this um, impact your day-to-day -day life now? Obviously, you've been working on all sorts of different skills and resources and everything. Is it just fluid now or are there certain moments where you have to go, oh, I got to kind of think, I got to do this. It's like, you know, more of an intentional effort um, of navigating a situation or is it just fluid for you now where you, you feel so comfortable yeah. in the way that you think and do things, you're able to just make it happen? Um, how much time do you have? I mean, I, I struggle with things every day. And I think that's a lot of the reason that clients come to me is because I can truly understand the struggles of what they're dealing with every day. I mean, some I was I was working with, I still am working with a business coach and I had come up with an idea and I was like, okay, I want to be done. I, I want to go get to that idea. I'm impulsive. I can be hyperactive, impulsive and have hyper-focused. But when I'm hyper-focusing on something, it takes a tremendous amount of energy to do that. So if I just spent two or three hours doing six hours worth of work, I'm exhausted. I don't want to do anything else. That means my kitchen's a mess. You know, there's there's different aspects 
that affect you every single day, which is why I really wanted to help adults, especially women who have so much pressure on themselves to work and be a parent and to keep everything organized and keep the house in check and pay your bills and all of those things. All of those things are hard because if you can't think about how to organize and how to do this, that that's being an adult. So I struggle with things every day. And that's just one example of just pure exhaustion, just burning out quicker than others. I would also say that's also why I offer something called decluttering your mind sessions, which are free 30 minutes where if you have so much on your plate that you just don't know where to start, we talk for 30 minutes, let's hash it out. And I'll help you figure out where to start because that's something that a lot of people with ADHD struggle with, decision-making, figuring out where to start. And it's called like analysis paralysis. You just don't do anything and, and just like sit there and sulk in it. Not, not always physically sulking in it, but just not knowing what to do. So yeah, sure. it's, it's hard. It's very hard. Mm-hmm. Well, I admire what you're doing. I, I, I love uh, you, this whole idea behind your business. So Thank you. Um, obviously we will point people toward your website. It's capableconsulting.com, no dashes, capable.com, capableconsulting.com. And uh, we'll put all your links in the show Thank notes, you. of course. So Alex, thanks so much for all you do. And thanks for thanks sharing for your wisdom me. and insights today. I love this. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, congrats on listening to another episode of Inspiration Rising. Why congrats? Because you're pouring education and inspiration into your mind and heart. And that's something we all need if we're going to grow our businesses and reach our goals in life. Now, if you enjoy Inspiration Rising, do us a favor, share it with a friend, take a screenshot of your favorite episode and text it to them. Tell them to search for Inspiration Rising on their favorite podcast app and click subscribe. And if you haven't already, be sure to sign up for Inspo Text. That's our daily inspirational text messages. Just text me right now at 949-401-6090. That's 949-401-6090. Just say, hey, Dave, what's up? You'll get an automated reply with a link where you can add yourself as a contact. And of course, you can always unsubscribe. I want you to know today that you're inspired, empowered, and loved. Not because of the way you feel or what anyone else says about you, but because that's your true identity. Mm